Welcome to Prayer Storm Podcast. We trust that it will be a blessing to you and that it will stir you and equip you to be all God calls you to be. Um, I'm really just going to be sharing with you some of my journey, some of my heart, and my desire and my passion and my prayer is that uh, you'll catch the prayer virus. <laughs> And that you will never be the same in terms of your pursuit for God. Uh, And just to help you maybe receive this a bit better, I want you to understand that I did not enjoy prayer. I did not think I would be a person of prayer. In fact, the fact that the ministry I lead right now is called Prayer Storm is actually baffling to me. (laughs) Because uh, I don't even know how that happened. Now, my parents are missionaries, so... I came to UK when I was uh, uh, 17, that was 2001, and uh, I've been brought up in a Christian family, so I've been around the church, and there were times where at home, my mom would get us all together to have some time of prayer in the morning, and I just didn't enjoy it, because she would get us all to pray one after the other, and we all had to all pray. So it wasn't one of those where you're just going to skip and not say anything. It's like every one of you had to say something. <laughs> and I remember just, anyone knows what I'm talking about? <laughs> I remember just feeling just, oh, no, I don't want to do this. But something I couldn't shake uh, from my heart and just I, I could not deny was many times, you know, like you go, I go into my parents' room. I want to speak to my mom. I want to ask her for something. I'll find her on her knees praying. And I don't know why, but it was almost like I entered into like a holy place. And every time I, this happened a lot, every time I would step into my mom's room and see her on her knees praying, even though I did not enjoy praying and I did not want to pray, I felt convicted. What I realized was going on as I grew up is there's something that happens when you see someone doing something you're supposed to do that you're not doing that convicts you about doing it. (laughs) Anyone understand what I'm talking about? When you're really going after God and you see another believer living in a way that you know you should live but you're not living, something happens to you on the inside. So I feel like God was planting seeds in my heart to really begin to go after him. And again, I want to use this as an example uh, or as an illustration for parents here. Do not underestimate the example you set for your children. They're watching more of your lifestyle than the words that you speak. I I like to put it this way. I want my children to be more familiar with my prayer voice than my preaching voice. That they know that we are people who pray at home. So um, seeing my mom pray really did something in me. But that didn't mean I was a person of prayer necessarily. I, I just realized years later that some seeds were being planted in my heart to seek God. Uh, so I went to boarding school in Nigeria. And... Uh, uh, it was, it was an amazing experience in many ways. It was challenging but amazing because I got to find my own faith for myself. I got to discover God for myself. I wasn't with my parents, uh, so really I could live however I wanted to live. But because of what had been planted in me, I found that I started off drifting off from God, and then something started to pull me back to God, and that's going to be the basis of my teaching this morning. The, the foundation of my faith, not just my prayer life, my faith, my believer, sorry, the foundation of my faith as a believer is based on this idea I'm going to be sharing with you uh, in a few moments. But before I go on to that, this next three weeks, we're going to be talking about prayer. And one of the reasons why I'm passionate about this is I am involved in leading lots of prayer meetings. I've been leading prayer meetings for many years now. And oftentimes I go into a, a context where we're going to pray as a corporate body. And uh, whether it's at church or it's at an event I'm a part of, or an event I'm leading. And I find that the moment the people of God start to pray, if you're in tune with the Spirit, oftentimes you can gauge the spiritual temperature of the room. You can gauge where things are at. And from my experience, most of the times, if the pastor or the leader comes and says to the church, hey church, let's pray. Um, a few people might pray, you know, maybe under their breath or whatever. But I tend to find that there is not as much of a momentum in the corporate prayer place. So the corporate prayer experience for most people is boring. And they don't find it really engaging. But I think there is a deeper problem than the fact that, oh yeah, prayer meeting is, prayer, uh, prayer uh, can be challenging. There is a deeper problem than just the corporate prayer meeting is boring. I think the reason why the corporate prayer is often struggling is because the personal prayer is non-existent. Are you hearing me today? If 
the personal prayer life was alive, I'm telling you, the corporate prayer, you won't have to beg people to pray. You won't have to have the pastor saying, come on church, let's pray. No, if you know how to engage and break through on your own at home, when you come to the church or you go to a meeting and you hear the call to prayer, you naturally know how to engage because it's something you already do at home. So the deeper problem is, it's, it's sad to say, but for many people in the church, their prayer life is pretty much non-existent. Now, I'm not saying this as a way to condemn you. I'm actually saying it as a way to help you realize that God wants more for us. And I was one of those people that didn't enjoy prayer. So to come from the place of not enjoying prayer or not wanting to pray, to come to the place where I'm actually not just enjoying prayer, but wanting to grow in prayer, wanting to make more time to see God, my heart being stirred. I know God did a deep work in my heart. Listen to this. It takes God to love God. Okay, so you can't just... Yes, you can submit your will to God, but there's some things you can't just muster up in all your emotional energy and just try to work it all up. There's, there's a place of surrender to God's will and letting him do his work in you. And I found that as I've grown in God over the years, it's like the different levels of surrender he calls you to. Surrender on this level. Okay, I want you to surrender on this level. And he, he keeps calling us to new places of surrender. So today, I want us to start by looking at Psalm 91, which is a well-known passage. So if you've got your Bibles or you've got your phones, turn on your Bibles <laughs> or open your Bibles. Psalm 91, verse 1. We're going to be starting from here. Um, you all know the passage. It says, um, He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. When we talk about the place of prayer, it really is what we'll call the secret place. Um, and so much has happened to me in the secret place, alone with God, that nothing, no favor, no opportunity, no open door would ever compare to uh, the most important thing in my life is that secret place. And by the time we get to the end of this session, I hope it will be the same for you as well. Now, I want you to notice a few things in this verse. It says, he who dwells in the secret place. It doesn't say he who visits the secret place of the Most High. Okay, so God's idea of the secret place is not just a place we visit oh yeah, I'm going to just have my devotion in the morning and I'm disconnected from God for the rest of the day until the next day or to the day after. He expects us to live in the secret place. Now, it's not necessarily the fact that everywhere you go, you're constantly just praying in tongues and in the spirit. Now, if that's you, if that's the way you can engage with God, great. But I think God is after something deeper. It's a heart connection and God is after a relationship. God is after a desire and you cannot fake it, okay? You're either living in that reality or you're not. So God wants us to live from the place of his presence and visit the earth. Not live in the earth and visit the presence. Okay, so if we're going to live in his presence, we're living from up down, not from down up. Because we're seated in heavenly places. You know, the Bible says that in Ephesians 1, far above all principalities and powers. So as far as God's concerned, we are in his realm. But the fact that we are in his realm does not mean we're conscious of his realm. Okay, there's several things that make prayer difficult. And one of the reasons why we find prayer difficult when we say let's pray is because we're more conscious of this realm than we are his realm. It's not that God is boring. It's just that your spirit is too quiet. You're too insensitive to his realm. The more sensitive you are to his realm, the more boring this realm becomes. So God is not boring. You're the one that's boring. <laughs> Think about the fact that God created the whole universe. Think about the complexity of the human being. Even just a simple organ, how much complexity in that? How is, the, how is it possible that the God that created that, how can that God be boring? So if I'm finding prayer boring, which I do sometimes, and if you're finding prayer boring, the problem is not on his side. The problem is on this side. And the, one, of the first, one of the first things you need to realize is the barriers and the struggles we're facing in spiritual exercises, it's mostly to do with our flesh. 
It's mostly to do with your body. And God has one remedy for flesh issues. Death. God wants to kill you. And the devil wants to kill you too. When I say God wants to kill you, I mean God wants to destroy the flesh. God wants to slay the flesh. God wants to quieten the voice of the flesh because you're not just a physical being. You're a spiritual being living in a physical body. So God wants your spirit to be more engaged with him because he's spirit in nature. Now, the flesh is not bad because you need your body to exist on this planet. Without your body, you're an illegal spirit here. Your body makes you legal. Your body is not you. Your body is just your container. Okay? However, because of the way we're conditioned and the way we live, we're more in touch with our body, our emotions, our feelings in this world than we are with his world. So one of the major hurdles of prayer is trying to quieten the flesh. So the fact that you're finding prayer boring means your flesh is loud. And you know what you need to say to flesh? Shut up, flesh. You're not going to have your way. Because I am finding it difficult to engage right now does not mean God is not here. Because I'm finding it difficult to engage right now does not mean God doesn't want to meet with me today. I am going to stay here even if I feel nothing. Because it's not about my feelings, right? I always put it this way. We are called believers, not feelers. So we live by faith. We walk by faith, not by sight. So the major hurdle is getting past the barrier of the flesh. And one of the ways to describe this is going up a mountain. Uh, I believe is in Matthew 14, Jesus uh, sent the disciples away. And uh, Jesus went up the mountain to pray. And before he sent the disciples and the multitudes away, he was with all these people. He fed the multitudes. And there was so much going on. You know, a lot of ministry activity. And after all the business of ministry, what he did was he sent all the multitudes away. And then he was alone. There's some things God will not do in your life until you get alone with him. And you may be physically alone, but you've not sent the multitudes away. You may get on your own in your room to read your Bible and say, Lord, I'm going to pray. But the multitudes are still bombarding your mind. The multitudes are overwhelming you. So you cannot really get to the top of the mountain until you get rid of the multitudes. That takes effort. That doesn't happen easily. In fact, sometimes that could take minutes. That could even take hours, depending on the kind of multitudes you've been fellowshipping with. <laughs> And if you're in fellowship with, with some serious type multitudes, then it might take some time to just process the whole idea of casting your cares upon God and getting to a place where you're able to disconnect, to reconnect. Because you disconnect from the multitude and then the next phase, you climb up the mountain. Now, I've never climbed up a mountain, but the only thing I can liken it to is climbing up stairs. <laughs> Flights of stairs for like... 10 floors or something crazy like that, or 15 floors. Now, if you're not really fit and you've not been exercising in the gym and you just want to you know, climb a mountain, it, it can be quite challenging to just wake up one day and just decide you're going to run a, I don't know, 20-mile marathon, if you've never done that before. It, it, it kind of does something to your body. The next day, when you wake up in the morning, you know what's going to happen? <laughs> you're probably not going to be able to get up because your body is not even used to that. So there is a process of building stamina. Now, Jesus sent the multitudes away, and then he climbed up the mountain. When you start to pray, if you start to learn how to get rid of the multitudes, the climbing up the mountain bit is pushing against the resistance and going higher and pushing higher. And there are different ways you do that. And I'm, I'm going to break this down some more, hopefully next week. But one of the, two of the key ways you do this, in my experience, is praying in tongues and worship. And these two things I found have been some of the key ways to push up the mountain and push, into, push past the resistance to the place where now you're no longer at the bottom of the mountain, feeling overwhelmed by the size of the mountain, but now you're at the top of the mountain where really you should be. When I say you're at the top of the mountain, remember I said in Ephesians 1, you're already seated in the heavenly places. That is your position. But that's not always your reality. Are you hearing me? So now you're causing your emotions and your 
now, your now reality to catch up with spiritual realities. When you get to the top of the mountain, listen, that's when prayer feels easy. But many Christians never get to the top. In fact, many Christians remain with the multitudes for their whole Christian life and wonder why they're finding prayer boring. Because they've never pushed past the resistance. They never learned to cast the multitudes away. They never learned to climb up the mountain. Are you hearing me today? It's a process. It's not just going to happen because you said, Lord, I want to grow deeper in my prayer life. There's, there is an effort. Relationship that is uh, of quality takes effort on both sides. Some of you think, yes, I gave my life to Jesus. I surrendered myself to Jesus. So every Everything is just going to be fine, and I'm just going to be, you know, close to God, and it's all going to be perfect. Well, God loves you, but your encounter, your relate, your um, your experience of His love is dependent on your response to Him in the secret place. God loves everybody, but some people experience Him in deeper ways than others because they've created room in the secret place. Are you hearing me? So one is calling us to dwell in His realm. And visit this realm, not uh, the other way around. He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. The second point I want to make is, it's not your secret place. He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High. Whose secret place? It's his secret place. Now, your secret place and the place you set aside becomes his habitation, but actually, you're finding his secret place. And this is one of the reasons, another reason why, prayer and personal prayer in the area of encountering God when you're on your own and stepping into a place of breakthrough, this is one of the reasons why it can be difficult. Because it's a secret place, it's not easy to find it. It's hidden. See, you don't go on the streets and find gold just lying around everywhere. I just need my uh, <laughs> sweat rag here. <laughs> you, don't, you don't find gold just lying around on the street everywhere. Because gold is of great value. So to find it, you have to dig. Okay, now in Corinthians, in the early chapters of Corinthians, Paul talks about um, uh, 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 the believers, us, our works being tested by God on the day of judgment. And he says there's going to be three categories of good works and three categories of bad works. The three categories of good works is gold, silver, and precious stone. And the category of bad works is wood, hay, and stubble. Obviously, gold is number one. We need to be going for gold. Now, when it says our works are going to be tested, it's not, in fact, the Bible says in the New King James, it says our works are going to be tested for what sort it is, not for what size it is. Are you hearing me? When it says for what sort, it means for the type of quality our work is. And quality is talking about inner realities. Okay, now track with me. If I gave you 10,000 pounds and I asked you to buy wood worth 10,000 pounds, we're probably going to get a lot of wood. But if you are going to invest the same 10,000 pounds in gold, you will not get the same quantity in comparison to the wood, but you'll get a deeper quality. When gold goes through fire, it just, it just changes state. It doesn't change in value or quality. Solid to liquid. When the wood goes through fire, what happens? Burn to ashes. I don't know about you, but I don't want the testament of my life on the day of judgment to just be ashes. Because you could be in heaven and still have regrets of how you wasted your life on the planet. This world is a rehearsal for the eternal life. Okay? So all our works are going to be tested. Now, gold and wood. Gold, you find that deep in the earth. You have to dig for it. Wood is what? On the surface. Many Christians are just concerned about what is on the surface. 
They're concerned about just looking good in church, looking good to their friends. Oh, yeah, God's blessed me. Oh, yeah, I feel like I'm doing. Oh, I think I am. I went to church two times this week, so I'm doing better than the guy over there that didn't show up for three weeks. So they compare themselves to one another, and they feel like they're doing good because they're doing better than the other person. Actually, I think the standard is to look at the scriptures and say, Lord, is my life really going to go through the fire and come out as gold? Because if it's going to go through the fire and come out as gold, then I need to be digging deep. And that process of digging deep is not easy. It's going to take a lot of effort. It's going to take a lot of commitment. And one of the things I want to emphasize today is this word. If there's anything you're going to remember out of everything I say, is this word, hunger. When most Christians think about prayer, they think about a list of things they want to ask God for. And many believers think about prayer from the concept, from the mindset of, okay, we're going to pray for this, we're going to pray for this, and we just have all these requests. For many believers, that's all they think prayer is about. And I think that's a real shame, to really narrow, to, to narrow prayer down just to requests. I don't have time to go into this, but if you, th- if you look at the, the structure of the tabernacle, you have the outer court, you have the inner court, and then you have the Holy of Holies. In the outer court, is, the outer court can be related to, you know, in Matthew where Jesus says, ask and it will be given unto you. Seek and you find. Knock and the door can be opened unto, will be opened unto you. The outer court is like the asking realm. Okay, are you hearing me? The inner court is like the seeking realm. The Holy of Holies is like the knocking realm. That's the deepest place. Many Christians spend their whole prayer life in the asking realm. Just asking, oh, Lord, I want. Oh, Lord, I've got an exam. Lord, help me to pass. Oh, Lord, I want to get married. Help me. Oh, Lord, help me. So all they do their whole spiritual journey is just ask, ask, ask. And if that is all you do, you've communicated your level of maturity in your relationship with God. Because I now have a six-year-old, and he does more than asking. We're able to have some conversations about the Lego movie. We're able to talk about the things he's passionate about, Paw Patrol, whatever. We're able to have conversations. But when he was two and when he was one, all he was doing was just ask, ask. All he did was just cry when he was uncomfortable. That's what most Christians do, just cry, cry, cry. And they do. their relationship has not matured to the place of communion. It's just in the place of asking, asking, asking. So that is why you may be finding prayer boring because you're not communing with God. You will not commune with God if you don't have hunger for him. If you see God as a means to an end, as opposed to the end itself, you will not end up having a deep relationship with God. I've said it before. Listen, the children of Israel wanted freedom more than they wanted God. Moses used the exodus to get to know God. The children of Israel, they use the exodus to get something from God. They use God to get out of Egypt. Moses used the process to get to know God. Are, are you hearing me? So many Christians are approaching prayer from the wrong perspective. And you've got to understand, if you want to build a prayer life that's going to last decades. See, we've we got to stop thinking about just being on fire for God for a few, a few weeks or a few moments. And think, well, 10 years from now, I want to be more on fire for God than I am right now. I don't know about you. And if that's the case, you have to build your spiritual life with longevity in mind. Asking realm will not give you longevity in your prayer. Now, don't get me wrong. There's nothing wrong with asking because he said we should ask. He said we should go out. He said if we're in need, we should ask. He said he wants to bless us with good things. But many Christians just stay there. So you've been a Christian for five years, ten years. But in a spiritual sense, you're still in spiritual diapers because you're still acting like a baby. And God is actually expecting more from you. If you have a relationship with someone right now and they only come to you when they need you to do something for them, what does that say about the quality of the relationship? It's quite shallow. Now, God is a good father and he's not sending us away because we're coming to him to ask for stuff. He still wants us to come and seek him even if all we do is ask. But I'm trying to get you to understand that if you're going to sustain a passion for prayer, you need to shift your perspective. It's not about asking. It's about being with him. When you learn how to be with him, and when you learn how to pursue him, not for any other reason, not for a big ministry, not for a big business, not for a husband, not for a wife. Boy, when was the last time you took some time to fast and pray? Not for a breakthrough, but because you were hungry for him. See, when you start to shift your perspective about him, because you're wanting to know him more, I'm telling you, 
you don't, you don't, you don't struggle to pray. You breathe. Prayer becomes your life. Because your hunger level is like an index. It shows your level of spiritual growth. Where your hunger is right now says a lot about where you are in your walk with God. Hunger is a sign of health. If you've lost your appetite, it's a sign something is wrong in the natural. Well, the same is true spiritually. If you've lost your spiritual appetite, it's a sign that something is wrong. And when you have your spiritual appetite right, you are hungry for him. Not for what he can do, but you're hungry for him. You're going after him. Because, listen, you, we cannot exhaust God. I know this may be a bold thing to say, but many of us don't know God. You know, even was it yesterday I was praying, and I was praying that, Lord, I don't know you. Now, I do understand that I do know God, but I also know that I still don't know him. If Paul, the guy who wrote most of the New Testament, he wrote the curriculum for the church. We're still studying his letters today. The guy who wrote that still said that I may know him. So who are you to think you know him? <laughs> I'm telling you, there's so much so much, and we have just settled for just this kind of uh, Western Christianity that's just seeking after comfort. I think this is one of the problems we have. Everything in the Western culture, even in the church mostly, is driving us to find a place of comfort. Comfortable people don't find God. Comfortable people will not know God deeply because God says, you will find me when you seek me. With all your heart. So if you're not finding him, can I say to you, all your heart has not been seeking. And that's the same verse where it says, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart. It didn't say some of your heart. All your heart. If you're going to fulfill that one commandment, it doesn't leave room for many other things. In fact, you can't be intense at 10 things at the same time. Impossible. So if you're going to love the Lord all your heart, it consumes you. Now, there are times where I felt that consuming hunger, and other times I have not. So my prayer is, Lord, I want the restoration of appetite and hunger for you so that I'm consistent in my pursuit of you. Not just coming to seek you when I'm in crisis, and this is one of the main problems. Show me a Christian that knows how to pray fervently without crisis, and I'll show you the Christian that's rightly positioned to handle the crisis when it arises. We cannot be crisis-driven Christian. Oh yeah, my uncle has got cancer, send text around, everyone pray, pray, pray. Oh yeah, I've got an exam, send text around, everyone pray, pray, pray. Oh, now, there's nothing wrong with that, but notice the trend. When you get in trouble, then the, the intensity of prayer increases until that season passes. And then you get in another trouble, you need breakthrough. What happens? The intensity increases until you need, an, are you hearing me? So you keep going up and down and and your intensity is based on your current crisis. How about you have a life in God that's not based on your needs? And if it's based on your desire for him, when I say your needs, I mean your material needs or just things in this world. If it's based on your desire for him, then there can be a sustenance of a momentum in pursuit of God, irregardless of the season of life you're in. Daniel. Daniel prayed three times a day. Okay, and he did that for decades. Because when we read the book of Daniel and you read chapter 1 and chapter 2, you know, or you read chapter 1 and you read chapter 9, it's not necessarily day 1 and day 9. You realize it's decades. So he was praying three times a day for decades. You remember when the law came and the law said no one should pray? You remember, anyone knows the book of Daniel? The law came and said no one prays to their God. And you know what Daniel did? He went to his room, knelt down, and opened the window. If that happened today, do you know what most Christians would do? They'll call a big prayer meeting. The government is against us. So we need to pray for greater breakthrough. Listen, Daniel did not increase the intensity of his prayer based on the crisis of the moment. Because he had a reserve of decades of prayer. So he wasn't praying more intensely when the government says, we're going to put you in prison for praying. 
Now, there's nothing wrong with increasing the intensity. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that. But I'm trying to get you to understand that what God is after is a consistency in our mindset when we approach him to seek him. And I want you to think like this. When you get up tomorrow morning to pray, Lord, I am coming to seek you. Lord, I am after you. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying don't ask. I'm not saying don't bring your needs before God. But you need to get the right foundation. Now, I've been leading prayers for over 10 years now. And as I look back on my life, this is the one thing that keeps me going. It's not the, it's not the breakthroughs, and I've seen some incredible breakthroughs, you know, and there's some breakthroughs I'm yet to see. It's not the things that God gives. It's not the breakthroughs. Those are not the things that, that get me excited. And what gets me excited is the pursuit of God, the presence of God, encountering God on my own at home. And you know, I want, I want to put it this way. You know, I, God has blessed me in many ways, speaking in front of crowds of thousands and speaking to small crowds and big crowds. And I think it's good to think like this, that it doesn't matter if I'm speaking to a crowd of 50,000 or five. That's all a step down from one-on-one -on -one conversation with the King of Kings. Whatever is happening out here is just, I'm visiting the planet, so to speak, and I'm living from intimacy. And though, this is one of the things I find challenging in my own prayer life. One of the things that the enemy attacks the most is your appetite. Because if your appetite for God is dwindling, the secondary consequence of that is you're not going to want to spend time with God. Or when you spend time with God and you're facing the resistance of the flesh, you give up easily. Remember he says, blessed are the poor in spirit. Do you realize there is a blessing in realizing your spiritual poverty? In being able to say before God, Lord, right now, you know, that moment when you want to pray, you, you get your word, you open your Bible, and none of it is making sense. And like, okay, Lord, I'm here. I know I'm supposed to pray. I want to seek your face. And that moment where nothing seems like it's connecting, heaven feels like a brass, that moment, you're facing your spiritual poverty. And instead of running away from that moment and going, you know what, I can't be bothered with this prayer stuff and just go and watch some movie, why don't you stay in that moment and say, Lord, Right now, I'm having a revelation of my poverty. So I'm not going to run away from this. There is a blessing in embracing the reality of the fact that I really need God. That is re that's revealing to you how much you really need God. Because your flesh is screaming, doesn't want to be there. Like, God, I need you to encounter me like you did, Jacob. That after that encounter, my walk is completely different. Because something has happened. Some people are just comfortable with saying prayers. You can say prayers and not pray. You can go through the motions and you know it. But, and if you're really walking with God or if you have seasons where you walk to God, you know the times where your heart has connected. You know the times where your heart has engaged. Those moments are moments where God releases downloads of revelation. But oftentimes, it's a battle to get to those moments. One of the other challenges we often have in prayer, when we come to prayer, is the Bible says, where two or more are gathered in my name, I am there. When I lead prayer meetings, um, one of the main challenges that prayer leaders face is the ability to bring unity in the room. So that collectively we can release one sound to heaven. It's a massive challenge. It's not easy to do that. Um, but the same is true on an individual level. Just like it can be difficult to get everyone in one accord and able to just release the sound. In those moments where everyone comes together in one accord, there's normally breakthrough in the air. The same is true in your, in your body, in yourself. When you get along with God... And your body becomes one with your soul, becomes one with your spirit. And you become one in yourself. Listen, you're unstoppable. I have been there and I have not been there. I've been on my knees praying and I know my mind is not in that prayer. Anyone know what I'm talking about? I've been, I've been saying the words, but I, all I'm thinking about is all this other stuff over here. I know I am not in it. So... There's no point pretending. Just be honest with God. Lord, I'm struggling today. 
Lord, I don't know what's going on, but Father, I'm choosing to stay. I'm choosing to push. Maybe you didn't break through in the morning. Okay, Lord, I'm going to work right now. I'm going to make some time at lunch break. I'm just going to spend some time. with. Maybe I just need to listen to some music and just wait in your presence. Okay, Lord, when I come back from work, I'm coming back here and we're going to push some more. Do you realize that those kind of responses actually attracts God to you? As opposed to God, you know what? You didn't show up today. I guess you didn't want to speak to me, so I'm, I'm bored and I'm going off. The people that learn how to cultivate the desire for God and their pursuit for God, where they choose not to let go, they become irresistible to God himself. It's like he cannot help but be attracted to them. That's the kind of person I want to be. That where I go, where I pray, where I speak, whatever I do, that God cannot help but be drawn into that place. And the foundation is desire for him, guys. It's not the needs. It's not the breakthroughs. It's desire for him. I want to share with you a, a principle or mindset I have when I think about prayer that I think will be very helpful for you to adopt as you think about your life. In, in just the, the, the value of being with God and being at the throne of God and seeking his face. God has called me to ministry in terms of speaking, teaching, prayer, blessing people, and all that kind of stuff. And, and I am thankful for that. But I like to make this very clear. My dream is not a big ministry. My dream is not even the sick being healed or even revival breaking out. Now, I do want to see revival breaking out. My dream is to walk as close as it's possible for a human to walk with God and still remain on the planet. That is my dream. Prayer storm, revival, and all these things, that's my assignment. The problem is when what is meant to be your assignment becomes your dream, and when what's meant to be your dream becomes your assignment. So now... You're pursuing the breakthrough, and when the, what's meant to be your dream, in other words, relationship with God, intimacy with God, when that becomes your assignment, then you start to derive your identity and your sense of significance from the size or effectiveness of your assignment. So if my assignment gets big, I'm like, yes, I'm doing good, and I feel good on the inside. If my assignment is going bad, and people don't show up to the meeting, everything looks like going on, then I feel depressed, and I feel insecure, I feel irrelevant. Because now, my sense of worth is coming from the assignment, as opposed to from him. If my sense of worth is coming from him, then as long as I'm going after him, and I'm pursuing him, and I'm being obedient, he's responsible for the size of the assignment. So if the assignment gets big, or it gets small, my dream is not affected. Listen, no one can touch my dream. And you need to think the same. Maybe you're believing God for a husband. Maybe you're believing God for a business breakthrough. You're believing God for this, 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 and there's nothing wrong with that. But don't allow that to be the foundation of your prayer life. So every time you pray, that's all you talk about. You want to be in the place where you're going after him. Yes, every so often you talk about this before him. Lord, I want this breakthrough. You're content for that. But you let the foundation to be your going after him. Listen, when you make his priority your priority, he will make your priority his priority. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things. I don't think we really believe that because we're still seeking the things intensely. <laughs> it's a sign that we don't really believe that he will add the things. Maybe it's because we haven't found him yet. And we are scared to face the reality of the fact that our pursuit has been so weak. And we pursue material breakthroughs and all these other things more than we pursue him. I remember going to the ramp in 2007 and being in those meetings thinking to myself, what would happen? Because as I left the meetings, I realized I had a desire to just get alone and pray. It's, it's amazing. It's a strange feeling to be in a place where God is moving. And all you can think about is, I can't just wait to get home and pray. <laughs> I don't even understand what that was about. I just wanted to get home, get back to the UK. I just wanted to get back and just seek God alone. As amazing as the meetings were, my desire to seek him was seemingly increasing like every meeting that happened. So I start to think to myself, what would happen if as Christians we start judging how amazing a meeting is, not by the presence of God we feel in the meeting, but by the desire for God we feel when the meeting is over. Because most people are happy to just have some nice experiences in the meeting, but as long as when the meeting is over, just back to all the worldly things. 
the desire for God is just, it's there, but it's overwhelmed by all other desires. It's a secret place. It's a special place he wants to meet you. Have you realized there's some meetings that you will not have on the roadside? If you're a businessman and you want to have a very important meeting, you're not just going to have them. You're good. The meeting that Trump had with the North Korean guy, that wasn't just had as a random place. It was an orchestrated setup environment for a significant meeting. Now, God can, God, God can encounter you in your car as you're driving to work, and God can speak to you in the, that kind of environment. But listen, you will not get to know God on the run. You're going to have to carve out some time. If you want to know God, it's spelled T-I-M-E. I'm speaking right now. You don't know me, okay? My wife knows me, but you don't know me. <laughs> You're just experiencing an aspect of who I am right now. You don't know me. If you're going to know me, it's going to take time. You don't just know someone because you've met them once. Listen, you will never know God at a Christian event. Go to the greatest Christian event on the planet. You will never know God in that meeting. You can encounter God in that meeting though. But if you're really going to know God... It's going to take time, investment of time. You're going to have to carve out time. It says Jacob sent all his family over to the other side, and he was alone with God, and then the wrestling began. It's going to take time. You have to get alone with God. It's not just going to happen in a crowd like this. There's some things God wants to do with you. He wants to speak to you. He's not going to speak to you in the crowd. He's waiting for you to get alone. And not just getting alone physically, but getting alone in your heart, where you send the multitudes away. Because you're there, but you're not there. This happens to me and my wife sometimes, you know. She's talking to me when I'm on my phone. And the same thing happens. I'm talking to her and she's like, if I know what I'm about to say is so important, I just stop talking. Because <laughs> I'm like, Becky, I'm not talking anymore. Until you put that phone away. This, she, she does the same thing. She's like, James, you know, you're on your phone. So until... Until she puts the phone away, I put the phone away. We can't really go for it because I don't feel I have a full attention. And I'm, just gonna, I'm not just going to be speaking anyhow. The same is true for her. She doesn't feel she has my full attention. So she's not going to just be speaking the depths of her heart when I'm so distracted. Why would, God be really, why would God be revealing to you the deep secrets of his heart when you're so distracted in his presence? Why would he do that? That is why, this is why he's calling us to the place of saying no to the crowds. The place of admitting where we are spiritually and saying, Lord, you know what? My heart is distracted right now. Lord, I'm not really where I think I should be. I'm not as focused as I should be. Lord, I need you. Lord, I need, I need, I need a, a dose of a fresh hunger. You know, it's okay to ask for hunger. I've been praying that lately and I felt hunger increasing my, Lord, increase my hunger, increase my hunger. I'm going to finish with this story and it's, it's one that you may have heard me share, but it really captures something about the need for us to cultivate a fresh hunger for God. Uh, some years ago, I don't know, maybe Justice was two or three. Uh, was it two or three when we were praying together and that happened? I can't remember how old he was, but he was really young. It was about two. Myself, Rebecca, and Justice were praying together. And I just want to say, it's very important that families pray together. So, so important. The enemy tries to stop husband and wives from praying together. And, you know, there's so much power released in that place of, uh, of agreement. So if you're, if you're a family here, you know, just make the effort to pray together often. Come together and seek God together. Anyway, we, we were doing that. By the way, I'm not saying that to say we're perfect in doing that. You know, when you have a young family, life is constantly changing. So if you've got kids, you understand what I mean by that. It's just so many dynamics. But we were spending time just praying uh, together. And Justice was so fidgety. So, you know, if you know him, he's so energetic. So I said, Becky, we just need to let him go. So we let him go. He's just going to play, doing his thing. And how many of you know when your kids are out playing and he goes quiet? <laughs> <laughs> You know, something, so it was one of those moments where we are playing, sorry, we were praying and he was playing and it just went quiet and I'm like, something is going on right now, we need to stop. So I went around to look for him and he was in the bathroom, okay, he'd been playing with the toilet roll and so the toilet roll fell into the toilet. Do you know what he did? He took the toilet roll from inside the toilet and was sucking on it. 
<laughs> At that moment, I was like, ah! <laughs> Rebecca is running like, what's wrong, what's wrong? So Rebecca comes in, sees what's happening. Do you know what Rebecca says? Oh, he's thirsty. <laughs> I'm like, what do you mean he's thirsty? He's, he's drinking from the toilet. <laughs> anyway, later that day, we had this revelation. Listen, this generation is thirsty, but we're drinking from the toilet. Because God has put a desire in all our hearts for him. Even the unbelievers, there's a desire in their hearts. But they're filling it with junk, just like many of us are in the church. So you, the appetite for God is so low because you're fed on all the toilet water of the world. And then you come into your secret place and wonder why your hunger is low. Or you come into church and worship is going and you feel like you're struggling to engage. Well, what have you been doing all week? Even if feeding all the junk, no wonder your hunger level is low. So it's time to get rid of the toilet water and ask for God to reignite our appetite for him. Because you can cultivate your appetite for God. The more you cultivate hunger, guess what? The more hunger increases. But you have to be conscious of it. If you don't consciously stand against the resistance and the filth that the enemy is releasing against our culture right now, you will be subconsciously influenced by it. You have to consciously stand against it. And one of the ways you do that is by being honest about where you are with God. Stop trying to pray religious prayers, you know, and try to just sound all nice or look all nice. Just be honest with God. Lord, I feel lost in my heart, right? Lord, I don't know what's going on. But Father, right now my heart is disconnected and I want to reconnect with you. So I am confessing and surrendering. Father, what do I need to change? I often pray this prayer. Lord, shock me now. Don't shock me on the day of judgment. Father, what needs to change in my life that I am not seeing? Where do I need to be convicted? Convict me now, God. I want to change now. Not then, because by then it will be too late. I might be in heaven, but be regretting how I wasted my life on the earth. I don't know about you. I don't, want to, I don't want that to be me. So I'm saying, Lord, show me now where there's things in my heart that need to change. What's eating up my pursuit for you, my hunger? What's taking up my time, my energy? What's, what's, what's just crowding my whole heart in a way where my appetite for you is low? Lord, I want a spiritual detox. I want a, a reawakening of my hunger. I want to tell you this from experience. Prayer is a lot more enjoyable when you're praying with hunger for God. You can't, you can't fake it. You know, and what I want us to start with this series of, of teaching on prayer is the foundation of relationship for God and pursuit for God. That is what's going to keep us going. That is what keeps me going. Because I'm believing God for revival. I am still going to keep praying for breakthrough in this nation. I'm not going to stop. But you know, the breakthrough, I believe, will come in my generation. But even if it doesn't come in my generation, I'm not going to be burnt out. If the foundation of my prayer life is intimacy with him. Does that make any sense? Some people, their whole prayer life is all about the breakthrough. So when the breakthrough is delayed, or when the breakthrough doesn't come like they thought, you know what happens? Their faith is wrecked. Because they never de develop the foundation of intimacy with him. So all they, all they think about God is this stuff over there and this breakthrough over there. And because God hasn't healed this person over here, they just go off the rails. Because they never have the, they never have the foundation of actually knowing his heart. Because there are times where your mind would not understand God at all, but your heart still connects with him. Because you can trust him in your heart, but your mind cannot make sense of what's going on. Are you hearing me today? That's why intimacy is so important. So I'm going to end with that. God is calling us to a place of deep love, intimacy with him. And lately, I've just been crying out to God, Father, I want my hunger to increase. I want my hunger to increase, you know. And uh, I love this quote from John Piper. God is most satisfied. God is most glorified in us when we're most satisfied in him. God is most glorified in and through us when we're most satisfied in him. God can be your entertainment instead of Netflix. 
Have you thought about that? He says that his right hands are pleasures forevermore. Why are we not experiencing those pleasures? Because we're stuck on the toilet water of the world. So we don't have space to experience his pleasures. However, to get deep into those pleasures is going to take some effort. Silencing the flesh. Creating the space. Saying, Lord, I want to spend time with you. You know, just bow your heads with me right now. Let's just, you know, turn our hearts to the Lord. You know, there are no shortcuts to this. The purpose of this teaching is not so much to bring condemnation. Even me, who's doing the teaching, I am stirred. (laughs) I am stirred to just seek God, to go after God, because there is more. There is more. I am not satisfied with my current encounter level. There is deeper encounters that will change me forever. And I don't want to stop short of that breakthrough encounter because of distractions. So, you know, just join me in surrendering your heart to God. Some of you need to repent for where you've just been distracted from the place of prayer. And you need to say, Lord, I am confessing my distraction right now. Lord, I'm confessing that my appetites have been overtaken by all the junk of the world. Father, I am asking you to bring reordering to my appetite today. I'm asking you to to stir up a hunger in my heart for you afresh. Lord, I want to be able to seek you, not because of what you can do in breakthroughs in my life, but because of who you are and because I want to know you. Father, stir up hunger in my heart for you afresh. Just pray that. Say, Lord, awaken desire. Awaken desire. Lord, I ask for a detox from every other appetite, every other desire, every other thing I've been feeding on. That's the junk of the world. Father, right now I'm asking for a detox. Just pray right now. Lord, I'm asking for a de- detox my emotions, detox my mind, detox my heart. And Lord, come and, re- come and revive a fresh hunger, a fresh focus. Lord, refocus my prayer life this day. Refocus my prayer life tonight, Father. I want there to be a reawakening of desire for you like I've never known before. Oh, Father, give me back my vision. Where I've lost my vision and where I've allowed things to be just get in the way of my seeking you. Father, let my vision be renewed this this evening. Let my vision, my heart be renewed tonight for you, Father. I am welcoming your spirit to purge my heart, purge my mind, purge my emotions, Jesus. Oh, Lord, Oh, Lord, we need you. We need you. Just keep praying for a few moments. Come on. You know, you're not praying for anyone. You're praying for yourself right now. The Lord is doing a deep work in our hearts of realigning, reawakening our hunger for him. Yeah, we cry out to you, Jesus. We're tired of prayerlessness. We're tired of the things that have just come in the way of our seeking you. Right now, Father, we're reevaluating our hearts and saying, Lord, we want to keep the main thing, the main thing. One thing we've desired of the Lord and that we will seek. We want to seek you all the days of our life. All the days of our life want to seek you. Week in, week out, day in and day out. We want to seek you, Lord. We know it takes effort. We know it's going to take time. Oh, Father, we ask that you help us to create the space where our room can become your secret place. Not just our secret place, but your secret place. And we can begin to meet and have encounters, oh, Lord. Thank you for tuning in to Prayerstone Podcast. We hope you have enjoyed today's edition. For more information and teaching, and if you'd like to get connected, please visit www.prayerstone.org.